This is Keith Price's Curtain Call. This is Keith Price, and welcome back to another edition of Keith Price's Curtain Call. And we are I tucked away somewhere in another building in Manhattan. It seems like I can't seem to get enough studio time. I have to go out and about and be all caught up in the world, which is actually more fun because you don't get the opportunity to meet people if you don't get out your what is it, that song in Avenue Q about getting out, going outside your apartment? And so today, because again, as we're going through this whole holiday season, I keep trying to encourage you guys to come out. And if you're going to be in New York City during the weeks of, of the holidays, this is a perfect opportunity for you to come and see shows because there are lots of really fun, interesting, different shows that are happening beyond the big Broadway, which, again, as I always try to tell you, do not be sold completely on everything that's on Broadway because what happens is in the end, you're going to hear about something that's coming to Broadway that had a whole broad, off-Broadway existence, and then the next thing you know, you're like, I can't believe that I didn't go see it. I should have saw it when I had the chance. So I don't want you all to be missing out on stuff when you have the opportunities to see them. And so today... Which is always fun for me because I love meeting playwrights and I love meeting actors. And very rare, sometimes you get the opportunity to meet the playwright and the actor who happen to be doing their own show. I'm surprised you ain't directing this, Todd. What's going on? I'm producing it. That's enough. <laughs> I love it. So today's guest, who has a show that's running right now called The Big Uncut Flick that's happening right now at Theater Row here in New York City until the 17th. Yes. Why does this have December 1st through 7th? All right, no. I was just looking going, is it me? Did I have, where's my glasses? December 17th here in New York City, which is fantastic. So if you're coming, an opportunity for the, which I'm starting to gather from the things that I've learned so far, from someone who enjoys a little vintage. Is that right, Todd Michael? That's right. I enjoy vintage very much. <laughs> Obviously, you can tell definitely by, by the press release there, yes. Um, so, so, you know, you are author, you are actor, you are, um, is it because you don't trust other people with your work? <laughs> That's funny, I'm sorry. Uh, the, actually, I'll tell you, the producing thing was something that just kind of happened. I actually had somebody a long time ago who produced, mm -hmm but she got burned out and it's hard to find someone to produce. So I sort of ended up taking over doing it and I'm pretty good at it now, but it's not particularly one of my favorite things to do. And uh, I actually have told Susan before uh, that, Susan Schulman, my press agent, who's wonderful. Who arranged this interview. Yes, that's right. Thank you. I got I to gotta put that out there. My Shout publicist, out. publicist, yes, who's wonderful. Um, that, uh, you know, if I ever hired someone now, I'd probably be micromanaging them because it's better, I guess, you do it yourself. Um, if I make my own mistakes, I make my own mistakes, and I'm the person to blame as opposed to blaming somebody else. But it's not particularly my favorite thing to do being the producer. I've had, actually have had other people come up to me and go, oh, could, would you mind, my friend has a theater company, would you mind producing? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I do not like it. Um, so yeah, that's how it felt, uh, that came about. And the writing uh, just sort of fell into place, well, because like a lot of other people, you, uh, you go and audition and uh, yeah, get into productions and something that always doesn't make you happy, but you do it. And um, I, I just was I took a little break for a few years and then I went to see a friend of mine in a show down in the uh, East Village in a little theater and I thought I wonder how much it costs to rent this theater of course this was 
you know, 15 years ago when it probably was a little bit <laughs> more inexpensive than it is now. And um, of course, there's not as many off-off-Broadway theaters anymore either. Um, and I just, I contacted them. I thought, oh, maybe I'll do my own show. Get a bunch of friends together, you know, Mickey, Judy kind of thing. Let's, let's put on a show. And the first show I did actually was not one of my own. I did a Charles Bush play. And then, um, then I actually wrote a little, ad- just for the fun of it, I wrote like a little five, ten-page script, you know, started writing something, and I showed it to a friend of mine who was directing at the time, and he said, you know, you should expand on this, and then maybe instead of paying royalties, (laughs) you could do your own stuff. So that's sort of how it came about. And then the one thing that I like about is that I have used a lot, well, not anymore, but use a lot of the same people, or use, and you write for their specific, uh, their, their strengths, some don't like doing monologues some like doing monologues and I write for the things I like and the things I, I don't like I, I, I don't do so um, that's kind of fun to write parts for people like in this play there there was I knew two people that were already well three people that were going to be in it and so I wrote I knew what they could do so I wrote the things I knew that they're, they're good at so um, that's fun and the other people I didn't really know but they're but they're great and, uh, and I had I have a whole new director now her name is Singh Mare and she's really fantastic and this is very difficult because it's tricky because even though it, it's, it's parody it's not the ha 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 spoof parody that people usually expect it's it's you're walking a fine line there, there's moments where it's funny but then you you're at, you it takes you out of it and you're like oh this has almost become like watching a real movie so it's it's something kind of different I'm, I was, I'm trying to do something a little bit I've been trying to do something kind of different with parody where it's not always the same old over the top, which nothing wrong with that, over the top, but just where, it, you know, the, the audience starts getting so involved and they're forgetting that, oh, this could almost be like watching a movie or watching a, a TV program, which is, that's what this is, it's like half and half. Well, so we're talking about the big uncut flick. I'm here with Todd Michael, who's a playwright, producer, um, and acting in this piece as well. And what what you, you I, there's a couple of things that were coming into my mind as I was talking to you when you were saying that um, that by doing all of these different pieces, it is it's it, you don't enjoy the production part of it, which tells me that you are probably more the creative person and enjoy being in the creative lane. Period from the writing that you like to do for other people. But getting back to that, it's like, it doesn't sound like you had a lot of writing experience before you decided to do that 10 page Uh, treatment of sorts before, after that Charles Bush play. How did that just, to me it's sort of like, where does that kernel manifest when when you get to that place? Like, and now you're five, six, seven, eight plays deep uh, that's, that's huge. How do you do? I mean, uh, for the average person that has the idea, how do they go from that to where you are right now? Well, I read a lot of plays to get to get the structure okay. down because I never was. I mean, I mean, I went to college and everything, no. and, and took some writing, but it, it was never something I, I was crazy about. But you know, I read a lot. I read a lot of plays and things to figure out structure, and then I also, you know, it basically, I was like, I'm, I'm writing something that I love. So I figured if it's something you're, that you love and you're writing it, then. That's half of it right there. And yeah, I learned a lot along the way. Some mistakes I made, uh, if I, sometimes I've gone back to old plays that I've done go, oh God, did we really actually do this? You know, um, but the one thing I think which was probably really instrumental in giving me a, a lot of um, confidence in my writing was, um, so I, did, I guess 2000, 
okay, 2002 was the first play. Maybe it was 2003 was the first play I actually wrote. And then in 2005, I submitted a play to the Fringe Festival because a friend and I were <laughs> sitting at a bar one night, and he, he had been a, a reader at the Fringe, and he dared me. He dared me to send a play to the Fringe, and he said, you're not going to get in. And he said, so I'm, I'm daring you. And if I win, if you, you know, you're, I'm buying you a drink. Well, I did get in. So, Chris, I'm still waiting for that drink. So, um, <laughs> that's, uh, so, uh, yeah, so, and that was great. And then when I met, um, I always get Elena Holy. Is it Holy or Holly who runs the Fringe? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I always, because I, 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 I really do like her. I, when I met her, she actually told me that she had actually read my play personally, and she liked it and she said we get so many parodies and spoofs and they're usually not faithful to the time period they're just made up and she goes and I just read your thought my god this is like this is like a movie she was like I mean it's got those elements of the you know those uh the heightened way of playing and so I thought oh wow and so I did about I did about four friend shows before I got burned out of that <laughs> from that. I mean, that can, um, you know, four of them, it's a lot. But um, uh, so that really kind of gave me confidence in, in, in my writing. And, you know, I've learned a lot. I'm, you know, I'm still, I still make mistakes. And you still get people who either like it or they don't like it or whatever. But this is something I enjoy. And, you know, and I, I, you know the thing for me that's always interesting is that to find the actors to get to play this because, you know, through the years doing the Fringe, you know, and when you do the Fringe, you get a lot of people to audition, and you realize how many actors don't don't get it. It's like they don't know how to play it. It's such a, it's such a difficult playing style because it's you have to play that heightened way, but yet you have to be faithful the time period. I mean, the same time you're like. You're you're playing in the style of what they how they played in those movies, which was somewhat theatrical or depending on what time period you're doing. Um, so it's it's a, it's a f and then yet still be funny, right. but they have to be totally into it or else it's not funny. Well, it, you know, it sounds to me though it is a, it's it's a general commitment to when it comes to doing anything like a stage piece that's supposed to be funny right. or. Um, uh, like a, a like a comedy sketch, like doing improv. When I used to do improv comedy, one of the things that I found to be very interesting and helpful was that you, the trick is is that you, the individual performer, have to be serious about what's happening, no matter how absurd it is or how you know right. out in the, the the left field that it it may seem to everyone else. But you, as an individual artist, have to play it seriously so that the funny can really ring. Right. And, and as long as you're playing it seriously, then you don't have that, 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 uh, that step into camp. Because, you know, this piece, the big uncut flick, is like you're, you're talking about movies set in the 30s, which I'm totally with you on that. I, give me an RKO picture any day of the week. Yep. Shut up, right? <laughs> right. Um, but at the same time, it's sort of like for, the, for it to be an eight-show-a-week kind of thing or th that the actor themselves have to be they have to be mindful of not stepping into camp because, you know, you put on a pair of, of glasses, you, you get a really fantastic bowler hat or some sort, or, a, you know, the, 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 the classic film noir cigarette moment. Right. You can just go anywhere with that, and you wind up losing the point. So for you, when you were putting this piece together, the big uncut flick, um, 
how hard was it to 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 get the actors because that's the most important thing how how do you prep the actors because not only are you writing this piece and you're acting in it as well that gives you a better insight to it than even the director so how do you with those different hats get them to get where you need them to be well the number number one thing was to get the right director and and i have a really good director where she loves these kind of films and she did her homework so when she walked in and we were in rehearsal I didn't tell her much I mean she said I'm gonna do my homework and she would say okay this is your close-up and the actor was actually doing it mm -hmm. with a look I'm like oh she's getting this yeah. this is great because I hadn't really had that before in a, in a director uh, and then like I said I, I do have three actors who have worked with me before that I knew what they could do I think the main thing is that most of the actors, when once they're on board, they want to start watching. Some, you, they, they always ask for a list of movies to watch. And they say, what are some movies I can watch to get the characters or get the, the, the or, or the rat-a-tat-tat of the, of the dialogue, you know, that clip, you know, or the, in the way of speaking. And, and, um, and that's always great. And then, and then they find certain things. And then, of course, the thing is they take that and then they, t they take parts of themselves and create their own to make it comfortable for them. I don't totally want them to be saying I want you to play make, you know, I don't want you to be this particular character actor from this week, but find little pieces of it that will work for you and you create your own um, your own character. Because some of the three three of the guys is that right three I'm just trying to think three of the guys um, play multiple characters two of them play like five or six different roles and they go on and off and just a hat and a jacket and they become these different people and they're great and then I have uh, I have a young lady in the show who's playing two roles she's getting to play the good girl and the bad girl which is fun for her right. you know and she gets to when I told her that you uh -huh. know because it's like who wants to just be the good girl all the time so she gets to be, go back and forth which is a lot of fun for her and um, and then my friend David who seems to be stereotyped he's playing a nun he, he played a nun asphalt Christmas and he's a nun in this one too I gotta get him out of the nun roles <laughs> Yeah, I got to get him out. I promised him next time I'm, I'm taking them out of the nun roles. Yeah, he, he's got to get it. Actually, it's very funny. When I wrote Asphalt Christmas, I originally wrote the nun role for myself. I thought, I'm going to like, you know, I can gain weight. I can put a nun's abdomen on. But no, I played a role where I had to have a quick change every, I had like, I forgot how many changes it cost. I thought, really? Why did I do this to myself? Diva. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one, I, this one, I only wear one costume, which is great. I wear one beautiful dress, and I'm on stage the whole thing. And so it's, it, thank God, that makes it easier. I, say, I just get to be on stage and not have to go, oh, okay, i got to put on another costume. Um, so that's a lot of fun. But you know, we're with Todd Michael here on The Curtain Call, and we're talking about his piece, The Big Uncut Flick, which is happening right now at Theater Row here in New York City, December 1st through the 17th. Um, and as the writer and actor and producer of this piece, um, it's very fun for me because at this stage of the game now, you are clearly getting to write the things that you like writing about. So for you now, what's next on your agenda of things to write? Because you're, it's you know, this is the business where you have to keep keep it moving. They keep telling me you got to keep moving, keep moving. You're producing, you're writing, you're acting. That's not enough. You got to do more. 
Well, that's hard because, you know, you have to get the money together to put on a show. And it's expensive. So I try, you know, maybe once a year, you know, and then last year I took a break. I, I took, I, actually, it's funny, I did, a, I did my Christmas show somewhere else. Um, my friend David is actually here from Wisconsin, and we actually did my Christmas show there as a fundraiser for the theater he's involved in. So it was fun to go somewhere else and actually act, and that's all I had to do. Because they produced it, they did it. So that was kind of fun. And it did very well, mm -hmm. and they made a lot of money for the theater, and he wants to do it again next year. But I don't know. I need to go probably take a break. I, you know, it's a, it's, a lot, it's a lot of work, and you have to start really early, and, but it's just the money. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, it's a lot of money renting the space and getting the money together. I mean, I, I, feel, I feel bad for people who have to really have to put the money together and do it, and a lot of people get disillusioned. I, I'm, I'm realistic. You make any money I mean you don't and if you want if you're walking and thinking you are then especially if it's off off Broadway forget it it's just the theaters are t there's le there's less theaters like I said before it's expensive I'm willing to do theater row because everyone there it's very professional it's a wonderful space I work down little places in the village I don't want to do that anymore little places where you have to walk up rickety stairs to get up I'm not doing it and carrying stuff down the stairs it's like you know wondering if you're not gonna go right through the right through the step or the railing is like you know it's jingling going back and forth sacrificing for the art oh I know and I've worked in some of those places and you know I was like I'm not doing that and that means you deserve you deserve a nice theater and a decent dressing room, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the studio is 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 small, but it's it's a small. Sp but I like the inti intimacy of that space. And when we did Asphalt the second time, we were actually in the Lion Theater, which was you. It's, it's that's an eighty seat theater. It was like whoa, and from fifty to eighty, and it was um, yes, the dressing rooms were much nicer, and it was wonderful. But we had stairs. I had to go up and down, make all those changes, going up and down those stairs. I was like, oh no. Cardio. See, you have, we have to. We have I, to start. Re, re, you know what I mean. We have to. You have to do that thing where you have to um, repurpose it so that it doesn't feel as awful as it actually. Sounds. Oh no, that's what I did. Like, oh, I'm losing weight. I'm losing weight. This is working. Get the dresser in here because we're gonna I have was. to change. I actually, this. did I end up losing like 17 pounds by the time between the time like in a month between yeah, which this time I've already lost 10 already, but but I'm not going up and down all those stairs. But and that was nice that we were in a, a bigger space and. Um, but I, I, you know, I just I like that little theater upstairs, and I think with this, especially with this show, I think when the audience is that close, they're much more attentive and they're they're right on top of it, and, I, and, and you can really see the difference in the the people's reactions as opposed to when they're further mm -hmm. further out there, and you're more like on a proscenium, but which is more like what the lion is. Um, but I just wish the seats were not those hardwood things. But luckily, the show is only but the show is only seventy five minutes, so you know it's 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 okay. I know, I know, because in the line, I was like, oh, everybody's gonna sit in these nice, comfortable seats, you know. But these the, those chairs are not comfortable to sit in, and I do feel bad. But I just keep saying it's only seventy five minutes, folks. You're not I'm not making you sit there longer than that, so it's not too bad. It's like you're not doing Richard the Second or something. Oh, no, you know, no, no, no. the third. Yeah. I love it. That's Michael Todd, or Todd Michael with me here on the curtain call and his show the big uncut flick is at theater row right now what theater are you in at the theater row which it's one is the it studio it's the a studio. small one it's on the fourth floor it's on the fourth floor yeah For, oh my lord that sounds like a walk up though no, no. but they have an elevator they have an, oh it's, it's it's theater row yeah so, they have an elevator yeah because you deserve it thank you you, you deserve it you and deserve they that actually even have i think they have a lift where when you get when you get up because there's some stairs that go they actually have a lift like if you need to go down like right there so oh yeah that place is they get they get everything covered, <laughs> everything covered, and the staff there 
is everybody there is amazing. That's one of the reasons I'm I'm willing to to spend the extra money is because it's it's and they take over everything. They deal with the ticketing, they deal with everything, and they they somewhat promote the show and they're. They're great there. Well, uh, and again, as you say that now, because one of the things, that, like you talk about the challenges of being able to put on your own production like the big uncut flick, is that as a producer, you have the hardest part of making that happen. I think next to the publicist of making sure that you can help get butts in the seats. I mean, all of that is a part of that com- conversation. Um, what I'm trying to, th- it's just sort of like when you talk about how this place takes over everything, is it... Is it sort of like the way that it has to be now to do independent theater like yours? It's it, you know this is it's not guerrilla theater when you have the elevator and you're not having to schlep stuff up the right. stairs. But at the same time, it is the same energy that goes into it because you're fighting to get every little thing that you need to get to have make these big shows like this happen. Right. So for you, um, dealing with the theater row as it is now, it's like is that the way that you, you hope that theater will kind of continue? Because, you know, 50, 80-seat houses are the perfect off-off-Broadway spaces. So to have that so close to Broadway, I mean, it has... I don't, I don't know. Do you think that it takes away the grit, shall I say, that the theater of the day... Because, you know, your type of show is a very... And, and not to, to make the comparison, but you brought his name up earlier, but it's like a Charles Bush moment in that there is that level of camp, but at the same time, there's a level of you got to be in the zone for that. And it, it only can exist, truly, it seems, in those kinds of spaces. So, um, Well, that would be great, except there's just there's not as many of those theaters anymore. That's the sad thing. I mean, it's just every time I turn around, it's like there's less and less off, off-Broadway theaters, or it, it's just it's a shame. Um, that's true. The, um but the, but yet there's something about that with Theater Row that they do so many different kinds of shows there. Uh, I think our audience is, is such an interesting mix of people. Um, sometimes I felt like even in downtown, our show was not downtown enough. And I actually had, had had that from like some people I worked with. They're like, well, your show isn't really avant-garde. It's not really whatever. You need to, And, you know, it's such an interesting mix of people that come to see the shows because – we have older people for the nostalgia. We have younger people who laugh because of the, the some of the camp value, value. And then there's kids because, um, now asphalt there was language. Um, but most of the time I really avoid doing any kind of language. Uh, there's innuendo, obviously, innuendo. Um, but I, I think it's such a, sometimes it's so easy to go to the cheap thing and use language. The only reason in asphalt that I, that I use language is because um, the show was about a Catholic school, and there was a young girl looking like the girl from the Bad Seed, and um, she was possessed by the devil. So she would cuss when she was possessed, and I was her mother, who was a burlesque performer, and you know she's and she was terrorizing the nuns, and <laughs> I know it was it was a crazy show, <laughs> and there was a priest who trying to you know, um, and of course at the end she her whole head turns and the priest saves her at the end, and I'm reunited with my my daughter. So um, 
Yes. Autobiographical piece, right? <laughs> Autobiographical. It, it's 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 crazy, but it's but it, it was it's fun, and it wasn't like the traditional Christmas show that people. Expect. But yet, it actually had a heart because at the end, the little the girls, she sings and dances at the program, and everybody comes to in together and sings this Christmas song I made up, and everybody's like happy at the end, even though this girl has terrorized a whole school. And <laughs> It was crazy. Terrorize the nuns, and you know. <laughs> but see, but then again, as a good Catholic would, you'd have to like explore the conversation of forgiveness. That's exactly what it was. That's why we all sing at the we sang at the end. This show was not cr- quite as insane as that one was, but uh, maybe that's why people liked that show because it was so weird. <laughs> you know, but that's the beauty of stuff like you know this and the big uncut flick and. You know, a lot of the other work that you've been able to get out there is that you're given the opportunity to once add another slice, I think, to what's in the pie of entertainment. Because, again, I am the first person that lives for a good camp moment. I ain't even going to pretend. And if you throw a boa or give me a cigarette holder and a boa and throw a sequins or something in it, shut up. Well, uh, there isn't any of that in this, but there's a, but there's enough other stuff. But it's it's this is a little this is a little interesting because I actually I I did this play with a different title. Oh God, almost ten years ago, and um, but I totally rewrote it because now you went, I went back and I looked at it. Oh, you know what? I want to rewrite this play because I like the whole idea of like a husband and wife hosting a TV show like in the 1950s. They used to have all these horrible shows back then um and and movie shows and and then have the movie kind of happen right there and they're just sort of watch and then in between they're doing commercials and they're doing little chit chat things like they used to do and um I think it's kind of an interesting concept because I've never seen anybody do that before and I just thought when I first I thought you know it was so it was so different I thought I want to go back and revisit it because I haven't really seen anybody try to do that with parody before. I thought, well, you know, I think that's kind of fun. You're watching you're watching two different time periods. You know, you got this fifties thing going and this nineteen thirties movie thing going and um I uh so I just thought it'd be a lot of fun to uh to bring it back and look look at it a different way and like I said, totally rewrite it. And I think, and I think it's better than it was when we did it originally. I, I'm hoping it is. Um, and uh, I, I think it's a, it's, it's, um, it's, it's fun and entertaining. It's, I like again. I, I don't want to make people feel. It's not like out loud. There's moments that are very funny, but it's not laugh out loud constant like a farce. It's, there's ju- there are moments that are very tender and sweet in it when you're when you're watching. You're like, oh, that's like watching a movie. And and that's what I like I said before. That's what I really wanted to do: get people to, you know, f- forget for a moment. Oh, wait a minute! I, am I watching a parody? Oh, this is so interesting. And then um, now the TV thing is a little bit different because the husband and wife don't like each other very much. So and there's the underlying uh, tension between the two of them there. And then they but they have to they have to work together. Um, uh, uh, yeah, that's sort of how it is. So you know, there everything's sort of almost. Not quite, but like behind gritted teeth, except they're not gritting their teeth. But it's like you can really sort of tell they're like, oh, yeah, they're not, yeah, they're not that crazy about each other. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. But but, we, but they got put on that whole fake uh, persona for television. So, um, but it's it's I think it's it's a lot of fun and people. I mean, the audience that we've had so far, you know, I, I 
I, I've heard people go, oh, it's cute and it's it's fun and and I've heard, you know old pe- older people are like, oh, it just makes me think of watching an old movie and you know it's fine. I, I, it's a, it's a great different. Um, it's it's a it's everyone people's reactions are completely different across the board. And then some people are, you know, I think I think some people walk in and they expect this crazy parody and then they see something different. But I still think they're like, oh, that was so different. But I liked it. It was sure. it was it was different. Yeah. I love it. Oh, man. Well, Todd Michael, thank you so much for hanging out with me. This well, was really a lot of fun. Well, thank you very much for interviewing me. I appreciate that. Kidding. This is a blast. So Todd Michael, as I said before, his play is called The Big Uncut Flick, which is happening right now at Theater Row through the uh, 17th of December. And the best part is, is that it is also in the house. It's like a mall. I just realized that the Theater Row to me is like a mall. You can go to different shows in the same space, but that's the best part. It gives you that option of seeing things like this particular piece and others like this. Because, I mean, where else are you going to be able to have access to it if if other theaters are closing around the city? This is one of the few places that you can do this. And I love the idea that you got to do uh, a version of another show in Wisconsin. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you why. Because people that listen to this podcast, when I say to them, you know, that creating theater, you know, like it's, it's these pieces that you can have in your communities, that you can do things with, that you can start exploring your own concept of creativity in terms of performing, you know, of, of being able to put together a show, sets, lights, costumes. These are those, those pieces of training that you can get in your own hometown. So the idea that there's someone in Wisconsin, where in Wisconsin? Tell me where. Eau Claire. Eau Claire. It's a college town. It's oh, a very... It's very liberal town, wow. but but they but a lot of the people there. It's only an hour or so from Minneapolis, and the thing that was so amazing was that a lot of people that came to the show were like, "Oh, we go to Minneapolis to see this. We need to have this stuff here. This is really cool." So, and it, that kind of floored me because I just didn't know. And I mean, I was glad to. D- you know, it, I thought it'd be great to do it one of my own place somewhere else and see what other people who do basically community theater what their their take would be on it and they were they were great they were like so excited to do like a new piece and not do the same old thing and like I said I enjoyed the fact that I only had to act in it <laughs> and did not have to produce I let someone else do that see so I love that so for all of you theater owners or small theater owners that are in the communities that are listening if you're within the earshot it's like you know not only is it an opportunity to have pieces like this in your town that are different, unconventional, and weird. But this is also an opportunity for you, wherever you are, to discover something completely new to you. Because, again, you know, Todd Michaels is not going to wind up ending at this at this stage right now in his career. You're not going to necessarily say his name is next to Terrence McNally today. You know what I'm saying? But 10, 15 years from now, when everybody's like, oh, my God, did you hear about Todd Michael? I just went. And then it's like, you know, there you are. In that same space. And this is the opportunity for people to discover. And this is how they do that. Because, you know, starts in a place like Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And then the next thing you know, Austin, Texas, hip and groovy. Yeah, you oh, know? Austin's cool. Austin yeah. is cool. That, you know, here we are doing and something you know, like my this. My plays are on IndieTheater.com. And people can do them everywhere. And every once in a while, I actually get emails from these theater companies. And God knows where they're we're thinking. I just actually had one last year. What's it from Omaha? I remember. I I, t- I I think I emailed Susan that did. They do very unconventional. They were they were looking at two or three different Christmas shows, and they had seen, I guess, all the publicity for ours, and they picked something more well known, and that's fine. But the thing is that every once in a while, I get these emails from these really 
crazy places that that want to do different theater. So it, it is out there, and it's so hey, indietheater.com. They have they have all my plays. You can do them. You know, they're they're basically like seventy minute plays, seventy five minute plays. You could do two and they do a double feature. I don't care. I mean, or do you it know, in repertoire. I do it in repertoire. <laughs> you know, I've actually have thought about that doing doing like doing a double feature thing. But except except my thing about parody is that it really shouldn't be longer than ninety minutes. I think people start to get really like, yeah. I think that's because every time I've seen something that is parody and it's like after about eighty or ninety minutes, I'm like, okay, this isn't funny anymore. Yeah, yeah I think it's really hard to, to hold the audience that long for that. Yeah. But Todd Michael, thank you again. I mean, again, we uh, like I said, you are here in New York, but it seems like your work is reaching people outside. And again, for those of you who are looking for a different theater experience when you're coming to New York City, this is the opportunity for you to come and see something different for the holidays. Um, so I hope that you make the effort. If you're going to come to come to the city, come see something different, come see something special. Um, and take it home with you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So again, thank you so much, Todd. This is really great. And I hope that you guys are listening. Holiday ideas. This is part of the holidays ideas section. You're gonna love it. All right, and we'll be back.